how are you now? Ho ho! How are you? On this fine Thursday evening or Friday morning or Friday afternoon, Friday evening, whenever you're listening to this, how are you doing? How are you now? You're Montreal Canadiens. On a Thursday night, on the night that the team honored P.K. Subban, they defeat the Nashville Predators by a score of 4-3. to three. Hello and welcome to episode 43. Or no, is it episode 42? It would have been funny if it was episode 43. It is actually episode uh, 42 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and what a game. Now before we even get into it, uh, it's pretty hard for me to even talk about that game without talking about the ceremony and everything that happened before. And the man behind that ceremony, P.K. Subban, one of the most electrifying players that I've had the pleasure of watching in a Montreal Canadiens uniform during my life. Um, I, I would put him up there against anybody. I think you know guys like Kovalev have come through since I've been around. Koivu was always pretty exciting to watch. But P.K. Subban, man, there was something about him. You know, uh, Every time he touched the puck... You heard it. If you ever went to a game at the Bell Center when he was playing, you you know what I'm talking about. Like it's it's different. It, it was different when he had the puck on his stick. That goal that he scored against the Bruins, coming out of the box, taking that pass from Lars Eller, and then deking out Tuka Rask. The double OT goal where he clapped it, bar down in double overtime, just electrifying. Uh, complete. You know. <laughs> What more can I even say about him? Fantastic player, fantastic representative in the city. Um, And then they do the ceremony. He gives this inspiring speech about how he always wanted to play with the same passion that the fans had and leave it all out on the ice. And he gave that as a suggestion to all the players currently on the team. Like, listen, you know, things may be not going well, but if you play that way, it doesn't matter what happens. If you leave it all out on the ice and these fans are going to respect you, and that's 100% the case. I think I speak for the majority of Habs fans when I say that we will always get behind a player who plays like that. And then to top it all off, man, Carey Price shows up wearing all black and a cowboy hat. He steps out onto the red carpet. And for one final time, they do the triple low five. Oh, man. I, I got to tell you, folks, it got a little dusty in my office here watching that one. Um, man, fuck Michel Terrien for taking that away from us. Uh, fuck Marc Bergevin for trading that guy. I know. I don't want to rehash that. I've, <laughs> but I have to I have to rehash it a little bit. Realistically, we should have been treated to a longer time of those two playing together in Montreal. Um, I don't think anybody definitively won that trade. You know, both teams, Nashville and Montreal, made it to a Stanley Cup final. They both lost that Stanley Cup final with the player that they acquired in that trade. Um, I, I think maybe the balance is swayed a little bit in Montreal's favor because, um, you know, Nashville got a way shittier return for P.K. Subban than Montreal did. Um, Montreal didn't get much out of Shea Weber, but nobody was going to get much out of him. He's pretty much done for his career anyways. So... Um, yeah, fuck both those guys. Uh, definitely, I would have loved to to see you know just the moments that we could have had, even if it wasn't a cup, even if it was another, even if the same thing happened and they made it to the Stanley Cup final and they lost. Just imagine the moments that we would have had. We missed out. Now on to the game. The game less depressing than my thoughts on, on the trade and and what could have been with those two playing in Montreal a little bit longer. The Habs came out in the first period absolutely flying. Clearly, 
Um, you know, let's let's be honest. Nashville played the night before against Toronto, but clearly they, they came out flying. I think they were inspired by that message from Subban, and they really wanted to leave it all on the ice in that game. Uh, they're buzzing. They're absolutely shelling Yaroslav Askarov early on in that period. He had to be sharp. He made a number of really good saves. Arbor Jack guys flying around just lighting dudes up, lighting people up, like big hits every time he's on the ice. And, of course, none of that actually matters. <laughs> the Habs, they kill a penalty. Um, a few, I don't know, a little, little bit into the first. Can't remember exactly when it was. Um, but then they can't really regroup and get the proper units out on the ice after that. And, of course, Barron gives the puck away. Roman Yossi throws it out front. And Nino Niederreiter, I think, yeah, goes off his skate and in. And it's one nothing for the Preds. However, a few minutes later, Jake Evans comes streaking on the left wing. Uh, Askarov's been virtually impossible to beat so far in this game, but he just throws a shot. Askarov gets a piece of it but can't handle it, and it trickles across the line, and it is 1-1. The Habs are right back in this. Habs just can't get a power play. <laughs> Every time they, they're they about to get a power play, like they almost got one. Christian Dvorak decides to go over and slash the guy uh, and make it a 4-on-4. Four four. And then there was a penalty call on Ekholm, but they called diving on Justin Barron. Um, I didn't really think it was a dive, but I also had a really shitty angle on the replay, so I can't really comment one way or the other. Either way, it goes to 4-on-4. Four four. Um, now, however, Askarov, all of a sudden, he's not invincible anymore. Tries to clear the zone. He, he skates out into the corner, tries to, well, not quite into the corner, but he fires it up the boards, gets intercepted by Jonathan Drouet along the boards. He feeds it across to Jesse Yolonen. Yolonen makes a fucking great move and a beautiful pass over to Kirby Doc, and Doc finishes it at the side of the net. It is 2-1 to one for the Montreal Canadiens, and that's your score heading into the second period. Now, 20 minutes down, the shots were 19-8 to eight in favor of the Habs. They really dominated that first period. And seconds into the second. Seconds into the second. Listen to that. That could be an album. Uh, Joel Edmondson goes behind the net. He bobbles it, trying to catch the puck and settle it down. Uh, it goes up front to Philip Forsberg. He puts it in. It's 2-2. Two to two. Edmondson had a fucking terrible game. We'll talk more about that at the end. Uh, but <laughs> the Habs, they get a power play just past the midway point. And power play's been pretty terrible this season. But guess who? Cole Caulfield, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Suzuki going low in the face-off circle. Puts a beautiful pass across to Cole Caulfield. He's got a basically wide-open net uh, thanks to that pass. And he's not missing that. He puts it in. It's 3-2 to two for the Montreal Canadiens. 16 more goals to go, folks. That was your score at the end of 40 minutes. Now, Nashville's starting to crawl back into that shot total, though. You know? Um, the whatever effect P.K. Subban's speech had on the Habs seems like it's wearing off a little bit. And by the time we get five minutes into the third period, um, it's 28 to 28 in terms of shots. So we're basically looking at a, a virtually even game in terms of shots. Habs, I would still argue, had the balance of play. Uh, ice a little bit tilted in their favor in terms of scoring chances, but uh, you know, shots are even. Uh, this is anybody's game, really. However, we get a weird sequence there where the Habs take a penalty and the Preds somehow think that they can put six guys on the ice while they're on the power play and they get called for it. The refs catch it. So that puts us to four on four. And then at the end of the Habs penalty, they get a short power play. And wouldn't you know, they get a second power play goal in the same game. That never happens. Kirby Dock this time is coming down the right side wall, throws an absolutely gorgeous pass all the way across to the other faceoff dot. And guess who? Who? 
Cole Caulfield is there to receive it, and he's not missing that one either. He claps it in. It's 4-2 to two for the Montreal Canadiens. 15 more goals to go, folks. Late game, net's empty for Nashville. Uh, they get a point shot from Parson, and that goes through a whole bunch of traffic. Montembeau did not see that puck for a second, and it goes in. Uh-oh, it's 4-3. to three. Are the Habs going to blow a two-goal lead at the end of the third period? They are not. They close it out. 4-3 to three is your final. Um, you know, they deserve that one. They deserve that one. Um, that game could have been even uglier. Like, they could have had seven, eight goals in that game. Askarov played really well. A um, little bit streaky. Like, he made some questionable decisions coming out of his net. Uh, that one where Drouin ended up inter- intercepting it and throwing it out and starting the whole play. Uh, that went and in, turned into a goal. <clears throat> that wouldn't have happened if he had made a smarter play with that puck. So he was a little bit streaky, a little bit, you know, up and down in that game. But m- for the most part, he was quite solid, and it could have got ugly. The Habs could have really ran the score up there. Uh, but it didn't happen, and it was a 4-3, and they deserved it. So if you're on Team Tank, uh, you know, a couple of things for the Team Tank folks. Number one, they deserved it, so let's let them have that one. Number two, it was P.K. Subban night. After that speech, if they went out and laid an egg and got beat 6-1, it would have been wildly disappointing, and you you would have had some very upset fans on on, on your hands. Uh, the, The fans, the people who paid to go see that game, they deserve to win as much as the players did on the ice. Uh, we we got to give them that one. We got to give them a win on that one. And you know what? Maybe when they 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 go down to New York, what on Saturday? So maybe they'll they'll get back to tanking at that point. This was a game they needed to win. That one uh, after that ceremony, after that speech, they needed to win it. They deserved to win it, and they did. So, player of the game, who are you going to give it to, Matt? Well, they gave Cole Caulfield the first star of the night in the building, and I think that's a pretty appropriate choice. But I'm going in a different direction. I'm going with Jonathan Drouin. He had three assists, so he he factored in on three of the four goals that Montreal scored, and they were all secondary assists. And here's here's why I want to give it to Dwoy. Number one, every time he had the puck, he was making something good happen. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki, 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 Loki. Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous, great, and it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. Right? And people have a tendency to talk about secondary assists like they don't matter. Like they're uh, like they're gimmies, you know? And sometimes they are. That's true. Absolutely. Sometimes you touch the puck and then two other guys end up doing something fantastic and you're really just a passenger. You just happen to have the puck on your stick for a second and you get a secondary assist. That was not the case with Jonathan Drouin on this night. He was making things happen. That goal where he intercepts it uh, from Askarov and then sets up Yelonen. I mean, he was every touch of the puck that he made, something good was happening. Uh, he made the right outlet pass more often than not, pretty much 100% of the time in that game. He was great. Um, I think it's unfortunate that this is probably his last season in Montreal. But that being said, if he keeps playing like this, they might be able to... Like, I, I think nobody's really talked about him being a premier trade bait candidate as we approach the deadline. Nobody has. There's a sincere possibility that other teams start getting very interested in Drouin if he keeps playing like this. I don't know. Entirely possible. He's my player of the game. Three apples. I think he deserves it. Now, 
a very close second for me was, of course, Cole Caulfield. What more can you say about Cole Caulfield, man? Two power play goals in that game. The power play has been fucking atrocious all season long. Horrible. Horrible. All of a sudden in this game, they can do no wrong. But the, the thing is, like, they struggled getting power plays in the first place. Like I said, in the first period, every time that there was a penalty that was going to be called or being called against Nashville, there's a corresponding penalty against Montreal. Uh, I'm not blaming the rest for that. I think it was actually a pretty well-officiated game overall. It wasn't bad. Uh, it was just they just couldn't get out of their own way and get themselves a power play. But then when they did get opportunities, they were cashing in on them. Um, you, you see it. You know, they're, they're starting to get the movement right before they make that lateral pass. They're opening up the passing lanes, and then they're exploiting those passing lanes. Doc beautiful pass Suzuki beautiful pass you get that passing lane open you get that over to Cole Caulfield he's almost automatic he doesn't miss the net a whole lot you need a heroic attempt by your goaltender to stop that guy so what do I said many times I've said he's hitting 40 that's why I've been doing the whole countdown thing if they get the power play working on this team man he's a 50 goal threat and maybe he'll be that as early as next year I don't know Moving on, who else played really well? We're going to talk about the good performances before we get to Edmondson because I got a bone to pick with him. Um, Jesse Alonen. Um, Man, keep that guy in the lineup. Um, I'm going to need you to keep him in the lineup. I feel vindicated. Um, I think anybody who's listened to this podcast um, repeatedly after every game, you know I've been yelling about bringing him up for a while. I've been saying, let's cut some of the dead weight. Let's bring this guy up. Unfortunately, they didn't do the first part. They didn't cut the dead weight like I said. Uh, What actually happened was they've got some injuries and they had to bring somebody up from Laval and they rightfully chose Jesse Alonen. And he was great in that game. Take out the assist. Uh, even if you take that out, I felt like he played a great game. Good things were happening every time he had the puck on his stick. He looked dangerous. His shot is is scary good. Like It's not quite Cole Caulfield's shot, but his shot is good. Um, he looked good on the power play. Uh, didn't have a ton of ice time on the power play. I'd have to go double check and see how long he was out there for. But, uh, but he looked good. He looked like he could help them out on that front. And he looks like he can help them out at 5-on-5 five five as well. I mean, this, this is a guy that has been performing... I would say certainly above expectations in Laval. Um, and he deserved to get that call up. And then, of course, he goes out there, gets an assist. He almost had a goal, too, in the first period. Uh, like, he took a shot, and he kind of, like, it got blocked, and then he managed to get it back, takes another shot, and uh, Askarov made a really good save on him. So it's, I, th- I think it's going to be hard to take this kid out of the lineup. I think he should stick around as long as they can possibly keep him. You know, and, unless everybody gets healthy and they just don't have the roster space for him anymore I would like to see him stay with the Montreal Canadiens I would like them to really work at finding out where he fits in the lineup and see if there's a way to you know get some secondary scoring out of him so that you're not just relying on your top line all the time my one beef would be that he didn't have enough ice time I think at five on five I'm looking at it right now played six minutes and 37 seconds you gotta up that you gotta get that up there those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those numbers up. I know he's technically, I guess, a rookie, but fuck that. Um, give him more minutes, right? We, we don't care about wins and losses at this point. We got to be working on figuring out who can play around those top guys. And we got to be trying out some of these youngsters. We got to give them more minutes. I think, this is my opinion. I hope the coaching staff agrees. I think he played well enough that he deserves more minutes next time around. So Saturday night, I would like to see more of him. That would be my, my number one request for Martin Saint-Louis and company is get that guy on the ice more often. Good things were happening when he was out there. Let's see if he can continue that. Um, I also felt 
I felt like a lot of guys had really good games in, in that one. Um, Evgeny Dadunov had a really good game. Uh, Justin Barron had one really bad mistake, but outside of that, he was actually pretty good. Um, Johnny Kovacevic had a pretty good game. Suzuki, of course, had a great game. Not surprising. Cole Caulfield has a good game. Suzuki has a good game. It tends to go hand-in-hand. Hand. Kirby Dock was magnificent in that game. I thought he was great. Um, really, 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 really great. Um, obviously, he made that great pass over to, to, to Suzuki to Cole Caulfield during the power play. Uh, but even outside of that, he looked fantastic. The, the finish on that goal that he scored as well. Just a smart play. He just went to the right area and made himself available for the pass. Uh, looked fantastic. And now that brings me to the one guy that really pissed me off in that game. Joel Edmondson. Well, no. Before Joel Edmondson. Um, there were a few guys who had tough outings, but I, I didn't think were, were bad. Arbor Jack guy had a tough one. Um, he was, you know, at five on five, he was getting pretty shelled out there. He did land a lot of really big hits and look good doing it. Um, got in a fight as well. Who did he fight? He fought uh, Tanner Jeannot and uh, landed a big old punch on him. Um, it was a good fight. Definitely a win for Jack Guy. But he had a bit of a rough game overall, like from you know from a possession standpoint. They were definitely out-possessed while he was on the ice. Uh, Chris Weidman, very rough game. Um, not bad, but rough. Um, now, now that brings me to Joel Edmondson. Um, now, now I've gone from the the good to the mediocre to now the the ugly. Joel Edmondson sucked in that game, and I mean sucked. And and I've said this before, like and I, I know it it might sound rude of me to sit here and dump on the guy, but you're getting paid way too much money to do the things that you're doing. He had a puck in the corner at one point. Him and Doc were playing pitch and catch in behind the halves net, right? They're basically just buying time to finish up a line change, and the Predators are sending one four-checker at a time to kind of circle around at them, right? Which is pretty easy to get around. You can kind of back pass it between the two of you. Uh, you can play pitch and catch behind there, and you can pretty much do that as long as you want. Until they send a second four-checker, you're pretty much golden, right? So Doc at one point throws it back to Edmondson. He spins faces towards the boards and throws a ridiculous no-look backhand pass, just floats it, out to the top of the circle. The nearest red sweater, I think, was Evgeny Dadanov, and he was in the slot, like, peeling around to try and make himself available for maybe a hard bank pass or something like that. But he just floats one out to the top of the circle, and Nashville gets the puck. Now, not long after that, Montreal ended up scoring, not Nashville, so it didn't affect them. But then you also had, of course, uh, the flub that he made in, what, at the beginning of the second period that led directly to a goal. Um and then in, when the net was empty, he also whiffed on one that almost led to a goal against as well. So they, like the Predators could have tied that game up and it could have gone to overtime as a result of another fuck-up by Joel Edmondson. I don't want to sit here and just ream on a guy, but he's been brutal for a while now. They need to press box him. You've been press boxing Mike Hoffman, so you got no problem doing it. He needs to sit a few. Even at least just to get his bearings about him. Maybe he just missed too much time last year and at the beginning of this year. And he's still not in the full swing of things. I don't know what's wrong. Um, I've seen him play considerably better than this. But so far this year, uh, every time I watch him, I, I get more and more tired of watching him. 
uh, it, it, something's got to change there. And I think the best way to change it is to sit him for a couple of games and then maybe we put him back in the lineup afterwards. I'd rather see them bring somebody up from Laval and watch somebody from Laval fumble their way through a game. I do not want to watch this guy fumble his way through games getting paid as much as he's getting paid. How much is he getting paid? <laughs> I'm going to have to actually go check that because I want to say three and a half million. Um, but I, I also don't want to just say that on my podcast and then end up being wrong about it. So, ooh, I was right. It's three and a half million. I'm a genius. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's three and a half million dollars. A three and a half million dollar defenseman. I'm not saying that you need to be Victor Hedman. All right. I'm not saying that you need to be Kale McCarr. What I am saying is that you need to not spin towards the boards when you have time and space and you have one four checker on you and then throw a pizza up to the fucking top of the circles for the other team to get that's what i'm saying so stop doing that or go sit in the press box and have a puts in for a couple of games and think about what you've done i don't know i i just i i pray that and i know it's unlikely but i pray that there is a trade out there for him where Maybe it's something like a Ben Sherratt trade, you know? Maybe they get a first-round pick in this draft of all drafts. It'd be wonderful. I don't know if it'll happen. But, um, again, they, they didn't give him an assistant captain role uh, just so they could ship him out at the end of the year, I don't think. So it's probably unlikely, but who knows? Who knows? I would like to see him traded. Um, I, I don't think that I want to watch him finish out this contract here if he's going to play like that. That's just me. Maybe I'm a little harsh, but it's too many games in a row with him. Um, so I had to say something. But that's it for the negative stuff. Um, we covered it off. Did I miss anything? Did I miss any uh, good performances, bad performances? Think, Matt. Think. Ooh, Jake Evans. Jake Evans was great in that game. Jake Evans looking like he deserves better than you know a fourth-line role. Unfortunately, I think it's all the Montreal Canadiens have for him. He had a chance, actually, at one point where he gets a breakaway, does a fake clapper, and then gets stonewalled by the post I mean that really should have been a goal uh, it would have been a highlight reel goal too because it was a really it was a cool move I, I love the fake slapper on a breakaway I love the slapper on a breakaway honestly that's a ballsy move when you do it uh, but he actually made Askarov bite on the slapper um, and then went to did he go to the backhand he went to the backhand of the front. it doesn't matter but he gets stopped by the post um, anyways great game from him uh, again, looks like he deserves better, more minutes than he gets, but unfortunately, there's not enough to go around. Maybe bump him up in the lineup for a few games. I don't know. I mean, why not? What do you have to lose, really? At the end of the day, um, this was a win, again, that they deserved, that they kind of needed um, with everything that happened prior to that game. I think the fans needed it. Um, I think the coaches needed it. I think Samuel Montembeau needed it. Um, you know, he was pretty good in that game as well. And... Yeah, it's not going to help the tank, but, you know, they were always going to win some games this season. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, was, it was one of the right ones to win. If you're going to win one, that's one that you want. So we'll leave it at that. Um, what are we running? Holy shit, we're running uh, almost 24 minutes today. So since uh, soirée inconnue pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And folks, one more time. 15 more goals to go. Cole Caulfield. The countdown continues. 
à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.